What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, got to tell you about Strava Craft Coffee. Strava Craft Coffee isn't just delicious coffee. It packs that CBD punch. And of course, CBD infusion can help with aches, pains, headaches, migraines, anything that's going on with your body. CBD can help ease and relax that. So not only do you get delicious coffee, but you get that calming effect of CBD. And we've also got a two-in-one punch for you in order to get Strava Craft Coffee. If you use that magical code DNVR20, at Strava Craft Coffee, you'll get 20% off your first order. And once you've used that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off in your first order and you love Strava Craft Coffee, you can subscribe to Strava and you'll save 20% on every single order after that at that 20% off price. And also you can get it set up where the Strava Craft Coffee is sent straight to your door every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks, again, at that 20% off price. So make sure to check them out, Strava Craft Coffee. Use that magical code DNVR20 and then subscribe to save 20% on every single order. All right, mates, let's hop into the show. NVR Broncos podcast on this terrific Tuesday. I'm your host, Zach Stevens, joined by my man, Andrew Mason. And before we hop into the show, got to tell you about MSU Denver Online. MSU Denver Online puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs and one thing that MSU Denver teachers do so well is they bring the real world into the classroom so you have those tools that you need so that once you graduate or once you're done with that class, you can hit the ground running in the real world. So make sure to check them out. That's MSU Denver online. My boy, Mace, how are you doing, my friend? I'm doing all right. I am currently looking at the list of Colorado Rockies non-roster invitees for spring training to their major league camp. Does that Sorry. Mean, do any of those names mean anything to you? As John Fox said during seasons with a lot of injuries, no one's coming to save us. Oh no. Oh, no. You know, we have our, uh, we have our, our Rockies guy, Drew Creaseman, who his big prediction for this year is that the Rockies aren't going to lose a hundred games. And that just shows you where, that shows oh. the state of the organization. Mace, what what's that? That's like us saying in Broncos terms, like the Broncos won't lose 13 games. Is that about the equivalent? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 13. Boy. At that point, you, you've crossed the terminus to being just unconscionably bad. Oh, boy. But I'm, hey, I'm happy that, I hope that none of our bold takes this year that the Broncos aren't <sighs> going to lose 13 games. Hey, is Nick Wright going to go... <laughs> on his 
piece of crap show and say that the Broncos are going to go three and 13 again. I mean, when they got that fourth win, I was like, <laughs> yes. And then they just <laughs> added a cherry on top with the fifth one. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the fourth win was of course Miami and the fifth one was, uh, the, was Carolina and Hey, like they very nearly doubled that total. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's, it's something modest to celebrate, but yeah, the Broncos aren't going three and thirteen. They're not going four and twelve. I'll say they don't even go five and eleven. We have many, many podcasts to discuss the outlook for this season, though. But they're not going to go five and eleven, four and twelve, or three and thirteen. I don't see the bottom falling out like that. No, but I certainly don't either. With the Rockies, be, though, yeah. I wouldn't uh, wouldn't be so sure. <laughs> yeah, the, the, this season may be long since over before a substantial amount of fans can go to games down at Coors Field. And uh, yeah. then it'll be interesting to see the crowds. I mean, what if they're back at full capacity in August? How many people decide to show up? Yeah, that's that's a great point. And we yeah. know that the Rockies thrive on that money from, from fans showing up more so mm. that, than the NFL and the way baseball is structured. So right. that could really be, uh, you know, the fans telling the team that they are not happy at all. Yep. Anyway, it's a football podcast, but <laughs> you're right. I just saw that it, it came across my Twitter feed uh, just before the show started. I'm looking at names like, oh, God. I mean, <laughs> it's, you know, you don't expect much from the non roster invitees, but usually there's a, a, a name or two that, that, that can catch your eye. Like uh, Atlanta's got um, Pablo Sandoval, aka, AKA Oh, Kung yeah. Fu Panda as a yeah. non-roster invitee trying to trying to make the team. So I mean, other teams have some guys that are you know that maybe they're past their prime, but they can dig deep and have a little more left. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, it is well, what it is. Mace, the uh, the Rockies fans may need a change of scenery <laughs> and uh, transitioning to football. There was a piece that ESPN put out that, that you found, and it's a great one. It goes through and gives a player for every team that needs a change of scenery. And Mace, the player that they have for the Broncos, and, and this was put together by their NFL Nation crew, so it means that every local person uh, got, got to have input on this. So, of course, Jeff Legwald for ESPN did it for the Broncos. And the name that Jeff said needed a change of scenery really really stuck out to you and I. Yeah. Melvin Gordon. Huh. Now he does point out something that we discussed at length over the course of the season and certainly frustrated you listening to this show, the four lost fumbles. And of course I had a little bit of a time pointing out how Melvin Gordon had this many lost fumbles and or, or fumbles in general. And <laughs> Philip Lindsay, you know, hadn't had any and you know, blah, blah, blah. But it's fascinating to, to think about this. I feel like with all respect to, to Leggy on this, um, I don't know if the change of scenery would help Melvin Gordon because Gordon had a pretty good season in the end. Some he did end the t end the year as the Broncos leader in touchdowns. He did average 4.6 yards per carry came close to a thousand to a thousand yards on the season. I mean, really the one thing that you look back on, and say this is not what you hoped for was his work as a receiving back where he you know for the first time since his rookie season he didn't have didn't have 40 catches and oh by the way those previous four years he'd always had healthy per catch averages of uh, you know eight 
eight to eight to nine, even ten yards of catch one year uh, in the in the previous four seasons, and then last year, not even five yards of catch. Ditto for Philip Lindsay. And Philip Lindsay, of course, went on the fan last week, and uh, one of the things he was uh, frustrated about was not getting enough targets in the passing game. Saying how you know how can I improve as a receiving back if I'm not getting thrown the ball? And so I thought, okay, and this is another discussion, another tentacle of this discussion, I should say. What's the common thread in not getting running backs the ball in the passing game? And, you know, is it the quarterback? Is it the offensive coordinator? Remember, the offensive coordinator has been part of offenses that did get the ball to running backs in the passing game. Saquon Barkley in New York, Jerick right. McKinnon in Minnesota. So, I mean, is this uh, is this something, again, that works against Drew Locke? But, Zach, Melvin Gordon, I mean, there are there are some reasons to let him go, especially if he is has if he's convicted of DUI. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know that a change of scenery necessarily helps him per se, because he ha- he did more things right than wrong over the course of the year and got stronger as the year progressed. Yeah, you're exactly right, and and I totally agree with Jeff that. The first half of last season, Melvin Gordon desperately needed a change of scenery. Maze, and to to be honest, he didn't come here with the fan with a lot of fan support just because they decided the Broncos decided to pay him over Philip Lindsay. Right. Everyone loves Philip Lindsay, so Melvin was kind of starting on a back foot, anyways. And then his first uh, eight games of the season, the first half of the season for him, Mace, he had the DUI, like you said, he had a fumble issue where he had three fumbles in those first eight games he was averaging 4.1 yards per carry that's nothing to write home about it's not awful but it's nothing to write home about and macy was on pace for a season of 878 yards that was his per game average if he were to play 16 games 878 rushing yards again not bad at at all but for the eighth highest paid running back guy that you paid eight million dollars to bring in a guy that you disrespected Philip Lindsay about that wasn't really what fans were looking for with Melvin Gordon. However, the last seven games, of course, because he missed one game due to strep, which was also in the first uh, half of this season. So you throw that in with the DUI, just a lot of things that weren't really clicking the second half of the season, the final seven games, Mace, he averaged over five yards per carry. He had nearly one touchdown per game. And he had a per game average that would have equaled 1,250 rushing yards for a season. Now that is great. The five over five yards per carry is great. So to me, Mace, he needed the change of scenery his first his first half of the season last year. But now it wouldn't really make sense in terms just in terms of football to move on from him just as he starts to get hot because you're also going to have some dead money there. And of course, this is putting aside uh, the the DUI, which is still in court. And if he gets that, then it's another conversation that that we need to have. Some guarantees will be void potentially for, for his contract as well. But just from a pure football standpoint, it doesn't really make sense. And And I also know that fans, like I said, we're not very happy with the Melvin Gordon signing uh, at first, the way he played at the beginning, first half of the season, still not happy with him. I think fans did come around to Melvin Gordon by the end of the year, the way he was playing. Yeah. I think that's, that's a great way of putting it. They came around. He was very, he was very effective. You mentioned kind of the last, the last seven weeks of the season. Uh, once he got going in terms of yards from scrimmage, Zach, in the last seven weeks of the season, Melvin Gordon seventh in the league mm. among running backs. 
in yep. and that's yards what you're looking scrimmage. for. Yep, 618 yards from scrimmage, including uh, um, 547 in the rushing game and then another 71 in the receiving game. I think it's fair to be frustrated with the with what he did in the passing game, but I don't think that's on him. I think right. that is on some schematic factors, and I think it is on um, the, the quarterback maybe not really looking to the running back uh, as often uh, as he could have to, to get him out of out of trouble, especially someone like Melvin Gordon who has proven he can be a 50-catch-a-year guy and be a productive 50-catches-per-year per guy. So, you know... I know that there is that there is talk about letting go of Melvin Gordon, especially if he has a DUI. Certainly, it makes it easier uh, on in the contract situation. But can you see Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio saying we need to let this guy go when he, at times, especially down the stretch, like you mentioned, he was the most reliable aspect of the Broncos' offense? No, I, I, absolutely not. I can't see that, especially when he's a player right now, Mace. They don't need to develop him. And at the quarterback position, they may need to still be developing Drew Locke or a younger quarterback or bringing in a guy with no offseason program and having him start. That's going to be a development. So you want to be able to turn around and hand the ball off. Ideally, you want to be able to turn the ball, t- turn around and hand the ball off to Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay, both of those guys. And also this year, Mace, if the Broncos were to move on from him without the DUI, so just straight up move on from him. Uh, and, and let's say the DUI doesn't come into effect to, to mess with the contract. You would only save just over $2 million in salary cap to do that. So it doesn't really make sense. He has about $9 million in cap hit this year, but $6.5 million in dead cap. So to me, that doesn't really make sense in, in order to move on from a guy who's finding his groove in Denver just to save $2.5 million. And there's no question when the season ended, Mace, there, there wasn't a 1A and a 1B running back committee. There was a 1 and a 2, and Melvin was at 1. Right. And whoever the quarterback ends up being, whether Drew Locke hangs on to the job, and yes, I, like I mentioned, didn't really make as much use of the running backs as he would have liked. But whether it's Drew Locke or a Hedge or a young guy or a stud veteran coming in, if you can pull off Dak Prescott or Deshaun Watson, every one of those guys is probably going to want Melvin Gordon on the team. Now, if you are, if you are getting Dak Prescott, if, if the Cowboys don't give him that second tag and the Broncos are looking at him, then you may be in a scenario where you are looking around for wherever you can get 2 million here, 2 million there to, to reach the, the cap room figure that would allow you to take on a 35 to $40 million cap charge for 2021. So that's, that's a scenario where you may have to accept the dead money because you've got to save wherever you can. But right. other, than, other than that, because Deshaun Watson's contract, if he, managed, if he does hit the trademark, if the Texans do make him available and you do trade for him, then that's $10.45 million. You don't need to be getting, letting go of Melvin Gordon. So I really, really I look at it and say – the only scenario where Melvin Gordon isn't on this team and shouldn't be on this team is if you are getting Dak Prescott and you are just saying you're basically looking metaphorically speaking, you're looking for change in the cap in the couch cushions, wherever, wherever you can find it to put together that space you're trying to come up with. 
and so that that's pretty much it yeah yeah that that's a that's a really good point there mason and i totally agree with you um so let's look at who we would say needs Mm. a change of scenery because i don't think you have to go far and we've mentioned his name this is not what i would do but i think it could be in the best interest of philip Lindsay if he were to have a change of scenery again what I'm doing, Mace, my, my plan is very, very simple with Phil. I'm putting a second round tender on him, and then I'm trying to work out a long-term deal with him. But if they don't want to work out a long-term deal, at least place a second round tender on him, pay him $3.5 million this year, and that pretty much guarantees that he's not going anywhere. So let that let me make that very clear. In my mind, if this was my team, Philip Lindsay is not going anywhere. However, saying that, Mace, he had the worst year of his career last year. He felt very disrespected when the Broncos brought in Melvin Gordon instead of paying him. And on top of that, we heard just last week when he was on the fan, he is very frustrated about a lot of things with the Broncos uh, and, and specifically with this offense. It just seems like, man, the best thing for Phil could be a fresh start somewhere. Yeah, and and that's the interesting thing because looking at this this article – and it's when you talk about changes of scenery, it's about the player. Um, Melvin Gordon, the player, was productive in this team, in this offense, on this team. Yeah. But Philip Lindsay, it seemed like Pat Shermer struggled to figure out how to use him properly. The fact that Phil was struggling with, with injuries really extensively for the first time in, in his career that exacerbates is exacerbates it as well, but it just, it never seemed except for like, except for the Patriot game where by necessity you had to go heavy with Philip Lindsay never seemed like he got into that groove. And the fact that the Broncos more and more have struggled to figure out how to use Philip Lindsay properly is why you may look at other situations and say they oh they could maximize them. I'll just give you one off the top of my head. What do you think Buffalo and Brian Dayball could do with Philip Lindsay? Oh, and man. think about the fact that Dayball has managed to get something out of Isaiah McKenzie on a li- <laughs> on a on a limited basis. Yes, but he has turned Isaiah McKenzie into a guy who comes in for ten to. to 10 to 20 plays and when and puts him puts him in situations where he can use his speed and even at his size be a plus player for that offense yeah and i mean i think it, for years it's been obvious to say oh what would bill belichick and josh me daniels do with philip Lindsay? because the patriots are sort of the masters that you know at having a bunch of running backs and using them situationally and, and figuring out the best opportunity for them. But, you know, Buffalo kind of jumps to mind as a team that could use running back help and could probably figure out more situations that play to Philip Lindsay's strength than the Broncos did last year. I mean, I th- and that's, that's when you're talking about a change of scenery, you want the change of scenery to be positive. I want Philip Lindsay back with the Broncos. You and I are in lockstep on the fact that if either of us was the GM, we'd be thinking of a way to make sure Philip Lindsay was set long-term that after Melvin Gordon's contract expired, he inherited the mantle of the running back who was uh, getting a healthy chunk of change and not playing on his rookie deal. But 
we're in a different world now. Last year wasn't Philip Lindsay's best season by a long shot. And now George Payton is running the show and he has no attachment to anybody on the roster. And he can, he, he can make a, he can make a decision that maybe isn't going to be what Broncos fans agree with because he doesn't come in with preconceived notions and he doesn't, it doesn't come with uh, pre-existing attachments. So, and, yeah, I, I mean, I hopefully for Philip Lindsay's sake, because I like watching Philip Lindsay play. I love the story of him being with his home state team. And I know he can still be very productive if used properly. I hope Philip Lindsay's on the, uh, still on the team, but uh, there may be other situations that, are better long-term for Phil. Yeah. And just after hearing him last week, Mace, I wouldn't be shocked if Philip Lindsay almost asked the the Broncos to not place a high round tender on him so that he can go explore the market. Now the Broncos do have that, that uh, power in order to control him and say, no, we don't want you to do that. That's what I would do if I was Broncos, but then I'd also make sure the Pat Shermer was going to use Philip Lindsay correctly. Uh, Phil said an interesting thing last week on the fan. He said, how can you catch the ball if it's never thrown to you? And of course, Phil had a pretty dismal year numbers wise catching the ball had, I think at one point late in the season had more drops than receptions. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he he wasn't given many opportunities like, like he said. Uh, and so that was something he was frustrated with. He was frustrated with where he was running the ball in terms of inside and outside uh, and a lot of frustrations there. So if, if you do give Phil, a second round tender and keep him here, Mace, you got to kind of try to make it work with him because I don't know right now, if you were to come at Phil and say, okay, we we've, we've tagged you with that second round tender. You're going to get three and a half million dollars this year. Let's work out a long-term deal. I don't know if he would want to work out a long-term deal Mace, just because of his frustrations and what, what, what his relationship has been with, like with the Broncos over this past year. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure he would, he would be willing to work that out either, even though you kind of step back and, and looking long-term, I think it's for the best that the Broncos give Phil that second round tender and keep him, even though it may lead to another frustrating season, because just think of it this way. If they give him the original round tender, of course being undrafted means the original round tender is that you get nothing back. Then you do that and he leaves and you don't match the offer another team gives him, then you let him walk for nothing. If you give him the second round tender, and that would be enough, I would presume, to keep other teams from being interested in Philip Lindsay on this year's market, at least when he leaves next year, if he does move on, you get a compensatory pick back. It may, it may not be a third. It may be a fifth. But that's better than nothing right? right i mean you let him go if you give him a rich round tender this off season you let him walk uh, it, all you're getting is a handshake and thanks for the opportunity and that's it and so i sitting there if, if i'm george payton and i'm evaluating this long term i'm giving him the second round tender no question just uh, forget about what he might give on the field i'm thinking in terms of the value of the draft pick uh, that right. you could get back relative to what you would get right now which is zip Right. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right, Mace. And, and that that's what I would certainly do if I was a Broncos and, and you as well. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. The Broncos have to place that tender pretty much within the next month, actually right. exactly within the next month right now. So the Broncos have a lot of decisions, which we'll definitely get into. 
And if they give the if they give the second round tender to Philip Lindsay, Alexander Johnson, and Tim Patrick, and these are all guys who are, you know, in that range where because they weren't drafted, if you don't give them a second round tender, it's the original round tender, and you get nothing back. You add those second round tenders together. And it is a not insignificant chunk of change. It is, no. it is about $3.4 million per guy. So a little north of $10 million against your cap for these three players. So it is a decision that you have to, that you have to think about and, and ponder uh, the pluses and minuses. But to me, like the draft pick back, if they leave is part of the value. If they leave a year right. from now, I should say that's part of the value. I mean, you, you think back to how, um, Houston sent a second round pick with Brock Osweiler to the Browns and effectively the Browns paid $17 million for a second round pick. So wouldn't a fifth round pick, if that's what you get back in the compensatory chart, wouldn't that be worth 3.4 million? And Oh, by the way, you get the year of that guy playing for you. So you get his productivity. And if Melvin Gordon has a DUI conviction, you have at least a few games where Philip Lindsay's going to be your primary running back. And maybe he does well to where he, he can't dis- be dislodged from the lineup at that point. So to me, it makes all the sense in the world, but I can see why there's a scenario where a change of scenery would benefit Phil. Right. Absolutely. Without a doubt, Mace. And now when we look at the rest of this list that ESPN compiled, there's some other intriguing names that jump out to me and you that say, oh, maybe the Broncos could go after this. Mace, who was the first one that jumped to your head? Well, I know we're going to get to the quarterbacks because there are some names on here. But a name that that struck me is Kevin King, a corner from Green Bay. and. Kevin King, he comes off his worst game. That game, of course, being against uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game where he was beaten for two touchdowns, including being on the trailing end of that pass from Tom Brady to Scotty Miller right before the end of the first half. A great moment for the Bucs. But uh, I had some Packer fans in in the house uh, in my wife's uh, family in-laws that were over at that moment and it was as great as it was for me it was horrifying for them and uh, (laughs) Kevin King is not the most is not the most beloved Packer in the state of Wisconsin right now Um, and really as the article point as the article points out Kevin King has never been favored because as as is noted here by Rob Domofsky of ESPN.com the Packers could have had TJ Watt, who of course is Mr. Wisconsin, but Green Bay in, you know, in 2017 trade out of the first round and then took Kevin King, the cornerback out of, out of Wisconsin. So Kevin King or, or out of Washington is Kevin King. So, you know what? It's, it's kind of time to move on. King is actually a good, a good scheme fit for what Vic Fangio and the Broncos want to do. Certainly, George Payton has a lot of insight on Kevin King, having having seen him twice a year in the NFC North. And I'm not saying he becomes a a cornerback one, but if the Broncos want to make sure that their cornerback position is deep, like I like, I like Xavier Rhodes, former Viking, former uh, currently with the Colts. I like him as a cornerback one solution for a year that you could bring in 
at a cheaper price than A.J. Boye, somebody that George Payton was a part of drafting in Minnesota. But if you want to make sure that you're backstopped at corner and covered and maybe don't fall into the same situation that you fell into last year with injuries, Kevin King is a, is a high upside guy that might be worth a one-year flyer to see what he can do. If he, does, if he flourishes, great. If not, didn't cost you all that much. I'd think about him if I were the Broncos. Mace, pretty much take everything you said and mm-hmm. apply that to a guy that jumps out to me. Cornerback, Chidobi Awuzie, of ah, course, with yep. the Cowboys. A former second-round pick. Uh, definitely the talent is there. Of course, went to the University of Colorado. Ryan would be all about this. Uh, but the, the, he just hasn't been uh, tremendous for the Cowboys as a former second-round pick, and they may truly be looking to go a different direction from him. To me, maybe he does end up getting substantial uh, interest from the market, but man, if he's there and you can get him on a one-year prove a deal so he can go out somewhere after this coming year and get a bigger deal, you do that because I I just like his his potential, his upside. Man, if you're able to transform a former second-round pick to be a second-round type of talent, Mason, and you're able to do that with Vic Fangio, then that that's worth the gamble there, especially where the Broncos are this year. Well, with Cheeto, he lost his job late last year in Dallas, and he's clearly out of favor, but he also looked like he was not all the way back from a hamstring injury that kept him out for the better part of two months last season. So right. when you, you have to look and say, why did he struggle? I think the hammy really held him up down the stretch. He's somebody that he's somebody you think about again, kind of like Kevin King, a good scheme fit for zone, a good scheme fit for what the Broncos want to do. I, now that being said, whether, you know, whether it's a Wuzier, or King, if we're talking about this caliber of cornerback, I'm nervous if that's the only solution. Basically, that would lock you into going corner in round one, Farley or Sertan. And you want to have options. You want to make sure you're sitting there at number nine, and you do want to be able to, to be nimble and react to how the draft board falls. And that means... When you come out of free agency, you want to have a starting 22 that is viable and allows you to go in any number of directions in the draft, trade up, trade down. Uh, somebody unexpectedly falls and you take him at number nine. If that's if, if you'd rather stand pat, uh, give yourself some options. So if if some uh, although I'm intrigued by King and Awuzie, if they're the only solutions at corner, I think that's that's going to be a mistake. But if you if if you take King and a Wuzier and you add a if we go for the older veteran if the older veteran who is on the way to the Hall of Fame, Patrick Peterson or you know Richard Sherman, and those guys are gonna be expensive. Or if you add a Xavier Rhodes, who's a pretty good number one and had a very good season with Indianapolis last year, or you add William Jackson uh, out of Cincinnati, who had a who had a good season last year and has been fairly durable the last four seasons since he had that pec muscle injury as a rookie. You add though if you have one of those guys plus take a one year flyer on King and on, on yeah. King or Wuzier. I'd feel great about the cornerback position. You have Bryce Callahan. You still have OJ Moody developing and a saying Bassey. You can allow a saying to come back slowly from the ACL. If that's what he needs to do, you don't have to force him back out there in week one. If he's not ready, I'd be excited about the, about that cornerback core Zach. And then 
if you pick Farley or Sertan, great, but it gives you the flexibility to, to trade down, accumulate more draft capital for 2022. It's a long-term play that uh, uh, I, th- I could see George Payton doing. I mean, I think, you know, I think, I think he's playing, uh, I think he's playing 3d chess here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And Mason makes a lot of sense. I really, really like the situation that, that you put out there and could see that being the route they go. Now, obviously you're using a lot of draft capital by using a first round pick on a cornerback, but you're not using a ton of, of cap money to, for, to, to bring one of those guys in, in free agency. So that would be a nice balance there. The truth is there's a chance that you could get a Kevin King and an Xavier Rhodes for combined what you were going to pay AJ Boyer. Right. That you could get Rhodes for about $9 million a year and Kevin King for about $4 million on a one-year prove-it deal, depending on how the market shakes out. And then and then you figure things out. Bryce Callahan can uh, can can have a, a, a boundary slash slot role depending on the situation because you, know, you want to get as you, you want to get as much out of Bryce Callahan as you can. But the bottom line is you can't rely on Bryce Callahan for 16 games. Right. He's for me. He's like end of career Chipper Jones with Chipper Jones in Atlanta back in the day. Uh, toward the last few years of his career, you accepted that he was going to miss 30 to 40 games. Right. but he could still hit for average and he still had some power and he still got on base. So you're like, okay, that's fine. We accept that's part of the deal. Uh, Bryce Callahan, you accept that he's going to miss some games going in. And when you're planning for the year, you kind of, you kind of budget for Bryce Callahan to miss four to seven games. You should. But in the, in the nine to 12 that he does play, he's going to be terrific. Right. And that, right. but that's another reason why I think you try to go extra heavy at the cornerback position on the market rather than just saying one guy and we're done because you want to have the flexibility to do various things in the draft. You don't want to be locked in and saying, all right, we have to take Farley or Sertan. We can't trade down. We can't, we can't trade up. We can't react if a quarterback falls unexpectedly to us. We're stuck taking one of these two guys. You don't want to be in that position. And then if you do end up, not trade making a trade and taking Farley or Sertan, they, then you're really set at cornerback. Kevin King's on a, on a one year deal. Bryce Callahan is in the last in the last year of his contract. Everything flows for that guy to play initially and then play a lot in year two. Yep, yep, yep. you're you're a hundred percent right, Mace. All right, let's look at the quarterback <laughs> position. Like you said, there are three guys that are on this list. And Mace, of course, the the least surprising one is Deshaun Watson. Mace, would you like the Broncos to add Deshaun Watson? That'd be an affirmative. <laughs> That'd be a hell yeah. And I think anyone that's listened to one of these podcasts in yeah. the past two months knows that as well. And I mean, the explanation is what everyone already knows. And it's very clear that Deshaun Watson wants and needs a chain of scenery. Yeah, but that's obvious, but some of the other names on here, Zach, are really interesting. Now, no surprise that Mitchell Trubisky is mentioned as the Chicago Bear in need of a change of scenery. And as Jeff Dickerson of ESPN writes, quote, the Bears and Trubisky need a clean break. Most mm-hmm. of Chicago will never forgive the team for moving up to draft Trubisky second overall in 2017. ahead of true franchise passers, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Trubisky clearly isn't on their level, but he played well at times, mostly versus inferior opponents over the course of the last four years, unquote. So 
it's it, it's it's clearly divorce time there. And of course, Vic Fangio knows the good and the bad of Mitchell Trubisky, and that's why, even though I know it's not a solution that Broncos fans want. As I get into my series here coming up uh, later this month on realistic quarterback options for the Broncos, Mitchell Trubisky is going to be somebody that they take a long look at. And certainly you're going to start with Vic Fangio's intel on Mitchell Trubisky. And one thing that, uh, that comes to mind is even though Trubisky wasn't an all world quarterback, in that 2018 season that the bears had when they went 12 and four and rode the number one defense in football to an NFC North title wasn't all world, but he was good enough. If you partnered him with a good defense and some interesting skill players around him. So yeah, that's something that, that, that's something that may come, that may come into play, by the way, Zach, uh, twice in the last three seasons, Mitchell Trubisky has had a passer rating of 93 or higher. Again, like uh, is mentioned, a lot of it is built up by performances against lesser teams, but in two of the last three years, he's been at least in terms of that particular metric, he's been at least league average. And he's a guy who's come through the last three seasons has never failed to complete at least 63% of his passes. And, in two of the last three years, he's had a two-to-one touchdown interception ratio. Not sexy, but better in production than what, you, than what you've had in Denver. Right. right. I was going to say an upgrade. It makes you right. I, I even forgot about Trubisky on this list. So there's actually four quarterbacks on uh-huh. this list. Um, and Trubisky, I think we need to take a deep dive into maybe even yeah. later this week because he is someone who – isn't as bad as people think he's not a sexy option by any means and probably mm-hmm. would disappoint a lot of people if that was a route. But Mace, I think we need to talk about him because I think that is a possibility, just like you're saying. So not as bad as you think. And we'll take a deep dive on him later this week as well. And the other two quarterbacks probably fall somewhere in between those two guys in terms of excitement for mm-hmm. for that uh, fans would have Gardner Minshew obviously this one's obvious the the Jaguars yeah. are about to have their franchise quarterback with Trevor Lawrence and could probably get what a day three pick for Gardner Minshew that's what Michael DiRocco of ESPN suggests as a late round pick would be enough to unload him and uh, that would give him a chance to win a starting job somewhere else and the one thing I will say for the Trubisky Minshew options here is that I do personally prefer them to an Andy Dalton, Tyrod Taylor, because there is maybe not a huge chance, but there is a glimmer that says if they do well for you, they have enough youth and upside to where they could be a multi-year answer. That I agree. You could you get a Trubisky or you get Gardner Minshew, and let's say either of them has to come in and you go 10 and six, 11 and five, and they play well, that they are at league average or slightly above. And then you start saying, okay, maybe we can ride this guy for a year, see where he goes. If it doesn't work out, we're back in the quarterback market. But if we, if it does, we have a potential long-term solution. We have our Ryan Tannehill here. And I just, I just like that. Because I like that better than bringing somebody who is strictly a bridge and then that's it. That he's a bridge and then you're and then you're moving on 
no matter what. It's it's sort it's it's sort of the same logic as you see in a game when you have a team that's down two scores with say four minutes to go, and then with about three minutes to go, they they, they get a touchdown, they pull within seven points, and they have they have two timeouts and the two minute warning to work with. So they say, okay, we're gonna just gonna kick deep and we're gonna try to take the stop to, to get the stop. No, no, no. You go for the onside kick. And then you try to get the stop again with your timeouts. And that gives you two chances rather than one. And that's why I want the guy who is the hedge with upside, because I'd rather have another shot at finding a franchise quarterback rather than somebody who is strictly a bridge. Yep. Nope. I, I completely agree. That's also why we both like Jameis Winston or Mm -hmm. Marcus Mariota. Now, obviously those guys probably a little different of of a conversation because they may not be on the move as easily as these other two guys, but Mm -hmm. that, that I totally agree. And also you get the Minshew stash, which would just be a blast. Well, the thing with Mariota that maybe hurts you a little bit is the fact that you're in the same division as the as the Raiders, and you know the Patriots have been a team that has been snipping around Mariota reportedly. And while I think the Broncos would certainly consider Mariota if he was on the open market, I have no doubt about that. The ability for the Broncos to make a trade with the Raiders within the division, I think that might give Mike Mayock pause. Uh, Mike Mayock and John Gruden as well, that they would, they may not want to deal Mariota within the division where he could become a problem for them. And that would also strictly be a cap casualty because uh, the Raiders in a crunch and Mariota's contract is about $10 million. I'd love Mariota as well. I just don't, I, I just think that unless the Raiders are forced to cut Mariota, I don't think it's a situation that you can pull off because I can't really see a Bronco Raider trade happening. No, I, t- I totally agree. So, Mace, I'm going to pose this question to you. Would you rather have Gardner Minshew at the expense of a day three pick? You, you can name the round. I'm fine with it. Or would you rather have Mitchell Trubisky on, what are we talking about, $8 million a year? I'd rather have Minshew. Give me the stash. Give me the stash. Me too. Uh, And not just the stash and the fun he would bring, but Mace, 37 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. That'll do. That is what you're talking about. And I think it's also something that, uh, that Vic Fangio can get behind. And the reason for that is he just doesn't want the quarterback to turn the ball over. And Gardner Minshew doesn't do that. Yeah. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky, you know, sometimes the interceptions gather in clusters. He had a pair of two interception games in the regular season last year, one against the Giants, uh, one against the Packers that they that they got beat. They got beaten in pretty handily. And of course, Trubisky will put the ball on the ground sometimes in terms of fumbles. Zach Mitchell Trubisky had six fumbles last season. For the Chicago Bears, in, adi- in addition to the eight interceptions that he threw. And then you go to Gardner Minshew. And how many giveaways did, he, did, did Minshew have last year? And they played roughly the same amount of snaps. Well, Minshew had only five interceptions against 16 touchdowns. And in terms of fumbles, he had one, he had one fewer than Trubisky. He had five fumble. He had five fumbles. But overall, that's fewer giveaways for Trubisky or for for Minshew, pardon me, than Trubisky. And that's something I think Vic Fangio is going to think about heavily. Now, Trubisky is kind of 
the devil you know. He's the devil that Vic Fangio knows, so to speak. And, right. he, and he has an idea what he's going to be. But, um, man, if you told me $8 million for Trubisky or a fifth-round pick for Gardner Minshew, I'm, you know what? Give me the stash and the mullet all day long and uh, the chance for Broncos country to find a little bit of a folk hero. <laughs> I totally, totally agree. And Mace, the last quarterback on this list, Derek Carr. And now he would come via a trade because he's under contract. That's why I just, I don't see this happening unless I think the Raiders would trade him to the Broncos if it involved the Broncos helping the Raiders land Deshaun Watson. And then I don't think the Broncos are doing it. So I just don't think that this is a realistic possibility. Well, if there's a three-way deal that gets done, so there, so basically the Texans end up being the intermediary. If there's a three-way trade and the prize at the end for the Broncos is Derek Carr, they'll have a better quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure how happy Broncos country is going to be with Derek Carr, <laughs> even though yep. he's accurate. He's a, he, he has a quick processor. He can learn a scheme. He can learn a scheme fast. And when he's rolling, he makes few mistakes. I could see Vic Fangio liking Derek Carr an awful lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I could too. And Mace, I actually think Derek Carr, if you were to get that quarterback play, I mean, he's pretty much like we talked about last month. He's pretty much a younger Matthew Stafford. Mm-hmm. And we all said that Matthew Stafford w- would be a good addition to this team. Not, not the best addition, but a good addition to this team. That's exactly what Derek Carr would be. Mace, I think this team is in the playoffs next year. If they get Derek Carr, I just can't get past the fact of how in the world would they get him? And if they do get him, it's probably because Deshaun Watson is a Raider. And then then you don't want him. Yeah, and there's a lot to like with Derek Carr. I mean, you, you step back and uh, look at the last two years in particular. Uh, he throws, uh, he's thrown 48 touchdowns, 17 picks. So almost a, almost a, th- a three to one touchdown interception ratio. He, he hasn't failed to complete at least two thirds of his passes in the last three seasons. He's so he's accurate. He'll push the ball. He'll push the ball downfield when the need arises. Um, he won't, he will rarely beat you as in, in your own efforts. He will rarely undermine your efforts to win with his play this past season, Zach only once did he have a passer rating in a single game lower than 81? And that's what I mean when I say Derek Carr doesn't beat you. Right. The question is, is there enough to beat the opponent in Derek Carr, but he doesn't beat you. Yeah. If he makes a mistake, usually he makes up for it in the same game. And, and, and I agree with you, Zach, completely. If Derek Carr were a Denver, were to be a Denver Bronco, I would expect this team to be a playoff team. I would expect him to be able to run Pat Shermer's offense very well. The question is, would they have enough to be a long-term challenger and contender to the Chiefs? Uh, that's where I have my I have my doubts on that. I think right. Derek Carr can. I think Derek Carr would make this Bronco team a perennial eight and eight to eleven and five team. Yep. I, is that, I, is I that, is that, and he's, a, and, and he's in that second tier of quarterbacks, mm-hmm. but the difference between him and a, a Dak Prescott is I think Prescott is young enough to where there's a chance that he could take those steps and 
nudge himself into the elite tier. I don't think Derek Carr gets to the elite tier. I think he kind of stays in that second tier, and that's fine. You can work with that. I mean, Matt Ryan is the kind of guy who's who's in that cluster. Right. Matthew Stafford. I mean, these are guys that we talked about. It's a clear upgrade. You're better at the position, but is that enough? Or do you want to be in the mindset that says, okay, we're going to figure things out for this year. But if we don't have the answer that comes this year, we want to be in position to try to take a QB early next year who could develop into somebody elite. Yeah, no, you're hundred percent right. And who was the only quarterback to beat Patrick Mahomes in the regular season last year. That was one Derek Carr. And of course, the only other person to beat Patrick Mahomes in all of last year, including the playoffs, was Tom Brady. So not bad company for Derek Carr to be in. Man, Mace, great conversation. And so yeah. much more that can come out of that conversation in the coming weeks, in the coming days as well. And before we get to commenters' questions, got to tell you about DraftKings Sportsbook. And while March Madness is quickly approaching, you can get in on some awesome basketball deals at DraftKings Sportsbook to get you ready for March Madness. As all new players have the chance to cash $100 with DraftKings Sportsbook app. New customers can bet $1 on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. And if your team makes it rain, then you'll cash $100. That's right. All it takes is one three-pointer being hit by your chosen team to turn $1 into $100, which sounds like a no brainer so head to the app store now and if basketball isn't for you DraftKings Sportsbook has daily odds on hockey soccer and so much more anything you can find DraftKings Sportsbook has it so make sure to head to the app store now download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR to get your shots to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week that's promo code DNVR for new customers to get a shot at 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. Winnings out. Paid. And four twenty-five dollars free bets. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem code 1-800-522-4700. You can bet online. You know what else you can do? You can go to the doctor's office online. That's right. Never sit in a doctor's office again. And that is thanks to our friends over at ZoomCare. If you hate going to the doctor like the, like the rest of us, check out ZoomCare. Of course, the one great thing we can take away from this pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of our own home. And nobody likes sitting at a doctor's office or even going to the doctor for that matter. But we all need to take care of ourselves. And that's where Zoom care comes in. It's video care. So it's just like a trip to the doctor, except from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor, just like a traditional office visit. You can also get secure access to urgent primary and specialist care, including mental health. Zoom Care's video care is, show, is covered by most private insurers, usually with a copay. So visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's Z O O M C A R E.com. And guess what? There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doctor by, while sitting in your own living room. And of course, supporting our partners is supporting us. So check out zoomcare.com, Z O O M C A R E.com. Get all the details you need. And you know what? We tell you about taking care of your teeth. Take care of your health as well. And if you're not comfortable with going to a doctor's office right now, it's understandable. But zoomcare.com can allow you to get the medical attention that you need just or get your checkups and, and make sure that you're still in good health. Zoomcare.com can help you do that all from the comfort of your own home. So check them out 
at zoomcare.com, Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E.com. All right, Mace, let's hop into the listener questions. And before we do, got to tell you guys where to leave a comment. So go to thednvr.com. At the top of the page, there's a podcast tab. Hover over that and a a list will fall down from there. Click on Broncos podcast, then click on the first podcast that pops up there. That'll be our most recent one. When you scroll to the near the bottom of that page on that specific podcast, a comment section will appear. And if you're a subscriber to the dnvr.com, then you can leave a comment, which will of course be read on the next day's podcast. So let's talk to the people that have done that for this podcast. First one coming in from Miller Life 58. Hey guys, you may have already discussed this on the pod, but what are your thoughts on the reports from from Tony Pauline of Pro Football Network that the Broncos are down on Drew and had to quote dummy the playbook down in order for him to have any success toward the end of the year? If true, I'm not sure how you could feel good about Drew moving forward. I bristle at the term dummy a little bit. I, I really don't like that, and um, I think there's a better way and a more accurate way to talk about what the Broncos did especially starting with that Miami game. And we saw some of it in 2019 when Rich Gangarello was running the offense as well. And a lot of it is giving Drew Locke concepts that he can handle and be successful with. One thing that we saw a lot of early on in the season through midseason is just trying to do straight drops and trying to kind of see, see the whole field. And that was something that was a little bit slow in coming uh, for Drew Locke. But then you start with that Miami game and kind of like with Rich Gangrello the year before, you're focusing on getting him outside of the pocket. You're getting him more play action opportunities. Now you get him outside the pocket. That means you are limiting the field of vision. You're limiting the options a little bit, but it's something that allows a quarterback to get confident and get comfortable and, I feel like it did. It did that for Drew Locke. He didn't. He wasn't uh, uh, having to have the broad spectrum of the field in front of him. It was at times a bit narrower, and it was something that was effective. And I think it's something that you can use as a jumping-off point. And frankly, Zach, there were times. Uh, you look at the Carolina game in particular. There were times where they built off that, and then Drew was more confident going through going through his reads, pushing the ball downfield, having patience with things. So. If you're looking for a sign of, of, of encouragement, I think it's it's that. Now, the thing is, for Drew Locke long-term, that can't be all. He's got to continue to build off that. But if he gets another shot to do so, I, I'm, I, I think there's reason to have some belief that he can grow and get better. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And Mace, if this report is true, it's not a total surprise because mm-hmm. – uh, you know, George Payton wouldn't have tried to trade first round picks for Matthew Stafford. If he truly was all in on drew and believed in him, Vic Fangio would have given stronger endorsements to drew when he had multiple opportunities to down at the end of the season. So it it wouldn't be a total surprise from, from everything we've seen Mm -hmm. after that. I agree. And it wouldn't be a total surprise. I think what is clear is this. They do want an upgrade in that room. But the fact that they didn't necessarily want to trade Drew Locke in a Matthew Stafford deal shows that there's still some hope for Drew Locke long-term, that they want to get better in that room. But unless you're talking about a Deshaun Watson or a Dak Prescott, that they're not quite ready to kick Drew to the curb yet, that they still believe there's something there that can be nurtured. 
Right, right. Next one coming in from Race City Bronco. Hey, guys, what would be the offset of the salary cap over the next two years if the Broncos traded Bradley Chubb two ones and two two twos to the Texans for Deshaun Watson? Let's assume the Broncos or Texans would likely pick up Chubb's fifth-year option next season. Well, the fifth-year option on um, on Bradley Chubb, how much is that going to cost? Do we know? Do we know that just yet? I have to imagine over ten million, right? Right. Okay. So there's that, and then you figure the average. Let's say the Broncos are picking uh, mid to late first round if they get Deshaun Watson. So uh, that's going to be what an average per year value of about um, about three and a half million dollars or so. Yep. Exactly. Okay, and then for the second round, probably an average per year value of about one of about one point five million. So yep. So we'll say so five two, million for those two guys a year. Yeah, for the for the second round or for the, or for for the first and second round. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's five million. That's just, that's that's ten million for for those for for those guys in draft picks, and then probably another uh, ten per year, and then probably another ten million for Bradley Chubb. So you basically in that fifth year option. So you're basically at about about twenty million dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's, uh, you know, Deshaun is only going to cost you $10 million against the cap this year, but then that number does spike and will stay high after this year. Yeah. So that, of course, I mean, it's reasonable when you think about in that terms, but then you also have to look at the fact that, that it's four players that you've got to figure out where to fill, uh, Right. You know, you got, you're going to have to get them from the middle rounds or you're going to have, and I think what would probably see a lot of Zach is um, if the Broncos get Deshaun Watson, I think you'd be counting on Deshaun's presence to bring in some players that are toward the end of their career. Maybe they're, you know, in their last stop or their next to last stop that'll play on a one year, two or $3 million type deal. That's kind of where you're going to be kind of filling in holes, so to speak. I mean, think about how at midseason in 2019, the chiefs need an extra pass rusher and they just bring in trail Suggs. and Suggs is happy to join up because it's a team that's got Patrick Mahomes. and They got a chance of winning a title. You're going to be looking at, at things like that. The, you know, if you look back at Bronco history, you remember, they had some success with guys like that uh, during the Peyton Manning uh, era. You have, you know, they, they, they found depth guys like uh, Jimmy Leonard at safety. They found a, a off, off of a waiver claim. They are free or not a waiver claim because he was a vested veteran, but they bring in Dan Copen after the Patriots cut him um, a little more expensive, but Evan Mathis on that one year deal back in 2015, you're going to be able to do those things. If you have Deshaun Watson, because the Broncos are going to be very attractive for a player that is, you know, really looking for a shot at a title. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And Deshaun Watson costing, I think, $35 million per year on average. Now, obviously, the cap hits will be different from right. that. But it's interesting to think about. If you do trade those firsts and seconds, along with Bradley Chubb, who will be a $20 million player mm-hmm. in just yes. a year or two, how you're not actually that, you're not hosing yourself that much on the cap. You're not. Uh, and really, the more, as I see it, you're, you're trying to figure out a bridge for those couple of years where you're not able to have those first and second round picks. You're trying and you're, you're basically, maybe you're restructuring Deshaun a little bit and kicking a little more down the line when you're going to rely more on those draft picks to, to surround him with talent. Those cost controlled guys take a drink, even though it's not a quarterback. <laughs> that's yeah. That, that's the thing. It's at, you know, 
I know everyone's really concerned about the loss of draft picks if you trade for Deshaun Watson. I think that's valid. But at the same time, Deshaun Watson at quarterback is a 10 to 15 year solution if this works out. And you're talking about sacrificing what? Two years of high draft capital? Maybe part of a third? Yeah. I, think that's re- I think that's a reasonable request. And I think if you have the long range of it, you can get through this. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I'm right there with you, Mace. All right. Count Lockula. Let's say a quarterback slips to nine and the Broncos decide to draft a ball chucker. We should rather it be Trey Lance, Mac Jones, or Justin Fields that be the one that slides into the safety of our orange and blue bosom. Love the count. I know what your answer is going to be, Zach. <laughs> Give me Mac, baby. <laughs> and, you know, I, I, I was just reinvigorated uh, by, by this with the comment from Miller Life 58 earlier saying that the Broncos had to, you know, dummy down the playbook for Drew. And whether that's true or not, one thing I do know is that's not something you would ever have to do with Mac Jones. And I just think that that's so important now. I get the upside with, with Trey Lance. And so this, this would be very difficult for me. And Mace, to tell you the truth, when I do more film study on these guys, I may have a different answer. But be, because it's so close, I'm going to go with my guy, Mac. Uh, and Justin Fields, of course, as well. He would be hard to pass up on. Yeah, I mean, Mac Jones may, may not have the spectacular ceiling, but I, but I, and I, but I think he's going to be ready to go right now. And I think Mac Jones in his first year is probably going to be closer to a finished product than these other quarterbacks that we're talking about. Right. So I think the the one thing about Mac is a, you'll have an idea quickly B he might be able to help you out quickly. So let's say you're, you're Vic Fangio sitting in there and George Payton is making the draft call and quarterbacks fall. And you're thinking about it at nine. Vic Fangio thinking about the 2021 season in particular would probably deepen his gut want Mac Jones. Yeah, I think so. If they had to take a quarterback right then and there. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree, man. Good question there. Count mm-hmm. next one coming in from Sebastian Airbay. My boys, I hope you guys are doing great. I genuinely feel terrible for fans of Houston sports. The Texans are arguably the sorriest franchise in the NFL right now. The Astros had the whole cheating scandal last year. Now everybody hates them and the Rockets just lost one of the most talented scores we've ever seen in the NBA. This leads me into today's question. I was thinking of a completely hypothetical situation that all the decent Texans players hold out until they are released or traded. Do you think in any way that is possible? Has anything like that happened in the history of the NFL? I don't know. I just wouldn't want to be in Houston at all. I don't think this situation is possible, but it's an interesting conversation. T.O. or To close out this comment, I wanted to raise, say, rest in peace, Vincent Jackson, a great football player and an even better person. Truly a tragedy. Thoughts and prayers to his family. Thanks for everything. Much love, Sebastian. And you're so right, Sebastian. Thoughts and prayers to to Colorado native, uh, UNC Northern Colorado graduate, Vincent Jackson. Uh, Obviously a very good football player, but from everything I've heard, Mace, just an even better person. Yeah, I mean, did you know, Zach, that he was the Buccaneers Walter Payton Man of the Year nominee four years in a row? Holy think about, smokes. Think about that. We talk about kind of a big deal, Justin Simmons getting it back-to-back, right? And Vincent got it four years in a row. He was very active with charities involving uh, military, military families, and veterans. Of course, 
his family came to Colorado Springs because it was part of a, a military depo- deployment. Both his parents were in, in the armed forces, but he moved around as a kid. Like he spent part of his childhood in Germany uh, and near an army base and then came back to the Springs and uh, went to high school uh, there and did very well at Whitefield. Although the only offer he got scholarship wise was he got a partial scholarship offer to UNC. He actually had a chance to go to Columbia at a 4.1 GPA in the Ivy league, but, uh, he took the partial scholarship because it covered part of the tuition and uh, wow. helped his parents out a little bit. And it tells you how lightly regarded he was coming out of high school, even though he was a productive player in high school, a late bloomer. One of the finest football players ever produced by the state of Colorado. Um, yeah. Probably really in terms of NFL production, probably in the top five to 10 players ever produced by the state of Colorado, the high school ranks at least as a, as a player in the NFL. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous, it's a tremendous loss for the NFL, a sad loss for all those who, who knew him. Um, Chad with Lou Vasquez yesterday, a little bit about him and uh, you know, those guys that played with him with the chargers, those guys that played with, with the Buccaneers, uh, they're heartbroken. And, you know, he t- did so much good. Did you know, Zach, that he actually co-wrote a three book series of children's books that were aimed at kids of, of military parents who had to kind of move around for their parents' deployment and all they had to go through, literally wrote a series of books specifically to help those kids deal wow. with some of the issues that, that they face. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just sad. Um, yeah. Everything about this is sad and uh, we'll probably learn more about the circumstances in the coming uh, uh, weeks and months, but uh, it's, a, it, it's a tragedy on so many levels. Yeah, it it really is. It's it's so sad to, to for the NFL to lose anyone, especially a guy of this character. What what, yeah. what a shame! So uh, thank you for bringing that up, Sebastian. Exactly. And the other thing on uh on Houston, um, you're not going to see all the tech decent Texans players hold out until they're released or traded. Um, some of them are do not have the financial reserves that are saved that Deshaun Watson has. So I don't think you're going to see uh, much of kind of a, 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 a in the way of sympathy holdouts. Uh, guys got to go to work. Guys got to earn their money. So, um, yeah, I can't see that happening, even though there's a high degree of frustration uh, with that organization and uh, what they're doing to their quarterback. Yeah, it, it is easier to hold out, Mason, to say that you're not playing another snap yes. when you literally have tens of millions of dollars built up in the bank. Now, I know every professional athlete gets paid a lot, but some guys just don't have the reserves to say, I'm going to pass up on a million dollars, $2 million, $500,000, because they can't. So, man, that would be a very interesting thing. And Sebastian, that's when the, if that were to happen in like the entire Texans organization, every player said we're not playing, then that's when the NFL would have to step in uh, and maybe force a sale or help them sell the team. But like May said, I don't expect that. Yeah, I don't expect that either. Jock Strap uh, or no? Oh, I, I skipped Casper. I'm sorry, fellas. Let's get down to brass tacks. The Broncos will most likely not be a Super Bowl contender until the team can find some championship leadership. The team has yet to replace the leadership that left when Manning and D. Ware retired. Drew Locke may turn out to have franchise skills, but does he have the leadership to go along with it? To me, Chubb and Simmons should be those guys on defense, but aren't on Ware's level. How say you? 
Yeah, there's no question that the Broncos don't have DeMarcus Ware or Peyton Manning's type of leadership in the building and, and really nowhere close right now. Uh, one of the things that I really liked about Drew coming out of college was his leadership. So I, I think that he could be a, a good leader. Now, I think it's really tough to find a Peyton Manning leader uh, like that, but I think he can be a good leader on the offensive side of the ball. And you're absolutely right on the defensive side. Bradley Chubb and Justin Simmons. And I think you really saw Bradley Chubb near the end of last year, take that big time leadership role. Uh, but he's, he still needs to develop that uh, in order to be anywhere close to a DeMarcus Ware type of leader. Right. And I, even though I don't think this has a snowball's chance in hell of happening, uh, that's where if by some chance JJ Watt were interested in the Broncos, you'd be wise to take a look at him because yeah, he's dealt with some injuries the last five years, but as a locker room leader, among non-quarterbacks, I think he's second to none league wide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm t- I totally agree. Yeah. There's a report today coming out that J.J. Watt is giving serious consideration to the Browns. How about that? J.J. Watt and Miles Garrett coming at you? That makes a lot of sense because it's a team that's on the rise. Um. And it's a team that could that could use his type of presence to, to bring it all together. And I think guys on both sides of the ball could learn from him. Baker Mayfield, uh, clearly their long-term quarterback, it would appear, based on the steps that he made last year. Baker Mayfield could learn a thing or two about leadership from being around J.J. Watt as well. And uh, uh, that's, that's the sort of thing for a young, a young, exciting team where you have a core that is really learning how to lead. Being around J.J. Watt could could – helped them tremendously and we saw in that playoff game in the divisional round in Kansas City Cleveland is very close very close to being a championship level team yeah it would be the opposite of Peyton Manning Peyton wanted nothing to do with Mm -hmm. an NFC team because he did not want to have to play his brother Eli Mm -hmm. until the Super Bowl until the very last moment if they both got there this would be the opposite going straight into the division with his brother yeah he'd be in the division with his brother Yeah. yeah and uh you know, he'd, he'd still have to see Houston every now and again, but yeah, he'd be facing off against the, the brothers Watt and Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh would make some sense as well, but uh, Pittsburgh is in a very significant cap crunch right now mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe JJ can, he can live in JJ's basement for, or TJ's basement oh, for cheap or something. <laughs> oh, man. Before we go any further, got to tell you guys about part of our family. That's Chevalier Mortgage. Mike of Virginia and Chevalier have been part of our DNVR family for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband wife team with over 15 years of financial services experiences. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up with a free consultation free consultation to discuss all of your options. That's dnvrmortgage.com. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and your long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike is a certified financial planner, so he can look at your entire financial picture and tell you what the best course of action is to take. Mike of Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. So visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free dnvr shirt or hat when you do and most importantly get set up with that free consultation to discuss all of your options you can also give virginia a call directly at 303-257-6578 that's chevalier mortgage michael chevalier nmls 1931006 virginia chevalier nmls 1910631
also want to tell you guys about our friends over at Hassle Cattle Company because Hassle Cattle Company equals that hassle-free meat life. That's right. We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. It's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas, and they ship all over the USA, US of A, and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because the best damn Wagyu beef that every man or woman can afford. Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausage, New York strip, beef, bacon, franks, without any fillers, and two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. And not only do we love the beef, the country loves their beef. They take their registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows, giving you that very high high prime product. I always have trouble with that. That is grown with zero antibiotics and no hormones. So head on over to Hassle Cattle Company. It's H-A-S-S-E-L-L CattleCompany.com. Use that magical promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. That's DNVR10 for 10% off. And if you get $200 in your order, guess what? Free shipping. So think of it this way. That code DNVR10 for 10% off and then get that order at $200 and you get free shipping. If you've got a freezer at home, you just stick the surplus in your freezer and then you can just thaw it out and have some of that delicious blue collar wagyu from our friends over at Hassle Cattle Company whenever you want. Mason, Check them out. Hasslecattlecompany.com. H A S S E L L cattlecompany.com. Sorry, Zach. No, that, Mace. That, oh, I, that I, pregnant I, uh, pause in there. <laughs> I tried to jump the gun because I was uh, excited okay. to get to this next question coming in oh. from Jockstrap Jerry. Hey, guys, what do you think about Micah Parsons as a fit for Denver and what Fangio likes to do? I've heard a lot of mixed things about him in terms of how he projects to the Broncos. I personally don't see any reason why he wouldn't be a target, especially since Peyton helped build one of the best linebacker rooms in the league while he was in Minnesota. Would love to hear your thoughts. The objection to Micah Parsons has has nothing to do with his abilities on the field as a player. Mm -hmm. This is all about character and some significant concerns uh, that have arisen. Like, for example, a, a former Penn State player, Isaiah Humphreys, has alleged in a court in a court complaint that Parsons was part of a group of players that uh, was involved with harassment and hazing. Like for, for example, um, Humphreys alleges that Parsons and and some other players uh, did this to younger Penn state players, took their clothes and didn't return them, told them they intended to make them their, their blank because this is a prison wrestled them down and simulate humping actions while on top of them. This is from the court complaint. And there are other things that are kind of that that are are, are kind of vile. Um, wow! I just see too many red flags yeah. on Micah Parsons. Someone will take him. I don't think the the risk reward ratio is right at number nine. It's a hard pass for me on Micah Parsons. Hard pass, and there will be a fair amount of teams, Zach that do not even have Micah Parsons on their draft board because of character concerns. Yeah. Yeah. And I would not be surprised in the next couple of months during this draft process, if Mace more teams take him off the board or uh, he just continues to slide and, and a team gets a very, very talented player, but not until much later than he was expected to go. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know he's talented. 
Film-wise, he, he'd be a great fit for Vic Fangio. He'd be versatile, can do a myriad things. You can use him on the edge. You can use him as an off-ball linebacker. I, I just can't ignore the, the rest of the stuff on it. I I would rather, on inside linebacker, you've proven that you can get by with Josie Jewell and Alexander Johnson. I would rather pick a Chaz Surratt on day two, somebody who's raw but talented, smart, high character, and see if, if he can develop because that he he's only played linebacker a couple of years. So you're living with a lot, you're still living with mistakes, but see how he grows. He's a converted quarterback and he kind of has that, that mental side, that quarterback on the field. Uh, actually, uh, uh, was it one of the quarterbacks before Sam Howell at North Carolina? And um, that's, that's where I'd rather go at linebacker than Micah Parsons. Very fair. Next one coming in from Lou Drock. He says, my boys, scenario time for you, gents. I love scenario time, Mace. He says, how would you rank these options? Okay, Mace, four options, and then we'll rank them. First, trade up to number seven to secure Fields or Lance. Two, sit at nine and pick Mac Jones. Three, give the Jets the number nine pick and a third round pick in exchange for Sam Darnold and the Jets 23 pick. Four, give the Jets your 2021, 2022, and 2023 first-round picks for their number two pick and take Zach Wilson. Cheers, guys. Charlie. Ah, Charlie, I love this. I love this. Mace, what's your order? Okay, my order is not – well, I like Zach Wilson the best of these quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So my my first choice, even though it means sacrificing first round capital, Ooh. is number four, the three first round picks for Zach Wilson. That being said, wow. I like I like Sam Howell next year better <laughs> than Zach Wilson, so I'm not inclined to do this. But if these are my options, mm-hmm. okay, fine. Then I'm going number four, and my next choice would be number two, sit at nine and pick Mac Jones. There we go, love it. My next choice would be trade up to number seven for Fields or Lance. My last choice is the number nine pick and a three for for Darnold in 23. Yeah, and I'm right there with you about what my last choice is, is getting Sam Darnold and having to give up a third round pick and nine, even though you do get the Jets first round pick, uh, their their later first round pick. I'm not doing that one. That is my last one. Then my second to last one, Mace, is actually your first one. I so I, I agree with you, Mace. My quarterback board probably goes Trevor Lawrence, then Zach Wilson after him. But there's a huge gap between Trevor Lawrence and then my other group. Zach Wilson may be the slight leader there with Mac Jones kind of right there as well. And Justin Fields kind of right behind those guys. And then Trey Lance kind of right behind that group as well. But what I'm saying is it's such a tight group for me that Zach Wilson to me wouldn't be worth trading uh, two additional first round picks in order to jump up to take him. So that's my third man. I really didn't want to go Mac Jones just because, but I mean, like I was saying, kind of Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance for me are all kind of in the exact same conversation. So if you don't have to trade up to get him, I guess give me Mac Jones is the best. And then, you know, second option would be to uh, to trade up to seven and get either Fields or Lance. Yeah, the thing with Zach Wilson is that he drops dimes like Mac Jones does, but he can also throw it on a rope. I feel like right. there's just uh, the, the, the separation for me there is the arm talent. And that means 
the ceiling is, is higher. Sure. Sure. And, and there was that, that, that thing last week about, Oh, he wasn't a team captain. You saw that on social media last week. And then a lot of us were quick to point out what was that C on his Jersey at BYU <laughs> last year? <laughs> yes. I mean, yeah, we're, we're in silly season now when we're talking about crap like that. Right. <laughs> yes, I totally, <laughs> totally agree, man. I love situation time. So thank you for that. Charlie. Oh yes. LDJ. Hey guys, I guess we're going to have to agree, disagree. LOL. I am willing to give up premium picks for three years, but I don't, I, I don't know. I think that's what he means to say. I don't know how good you think this roster is. If we have to give up our young core to get Watson, I'm not on board. I can't do that. I can't. I heard an interview with Ian Rapport. He stressed about how apt George Payton was and prepared to be a GM and stressed his strengths were number one, scouting talent, number two, trading. He conducted all trades at Minnesota, did every last one. So I'm going to concede to Payton if something becomes too rich. I'm okay with Payton walking away. Lastly, I'm hoping for what John McClain has said plays out. Texans play hardball. Watson doesn't show up until week eight to have an excused accrued year because in a season drew won't be a Watson, but he could be trending. Well, as will to people will either feel better walking away from Watson within a year or note, they must go all in on him. But for me, I just cannot give up a young core of talent and premium draft picks for the next three years. I just don't see how that's worth it. You guys keep saying he's your guy for the next 10 years, but dude, if we can't win for the first four of that five-year contract, he's gone. I don't know. I just, and I guess I just disagree with you, LDJ, about where this team is at in terms of their young core. I think you'll be able to win right away uh, mm-hmm. with the talent that you have on defense. The, the defense is aging, so there's no question about that, but that aging defense should still be pretty good. You know, it should still be top 10 defense and uh, and you won't have Bradley Chubb. So that's why I take it down from, you know, top five to to top 10 defense right, right around there. So that can help you win this year when this young offense starts to sync with Deshaun, but then it really should become an offensive heavy team. And this team should not only be exciting, but they should be Mm -hmm. able to put up points to win games. And then you'll be past that point of missing those draft picks. And then you'll be able to get new guys in where it would hurt you a lot. Mason, an, an area we've admitted is, uh, area of concern is the depth of this team. You wouldn't be able to to add depth there, uh, and unless you're looking for those late round picks that you would still have to add that depth there. So it, it certainly isn't getting Deshaun Watson and keeping your team just as good as it is. No, you do have to lose something in order to get a top tier quarterback. Right, and the other thing you mentioned, LDJ, that what Rapport said about Peyton having his strengths in scouting, talent, and trading. Well, you know what. Those are strengths that are going to be needed if you sacrifice that draft capital and you're counting on George Payton to be everything you think he can be in terms of finding talent in the mid to late rounds because you're going to need that more than ever if you're sacrificing draft capital at the top. Uh, To me, if you make this trade, you're showing a lot of faith in George Payton too. Oh, yes, you absolutely are. I totally agree, Mace. Next one from Low Country Bronco. Morning, boys. What do you fellas make of the pictures of Deshaun hanging out with some Dolphins players popped up in the last couple of days? I also saw a story that stated that Jerry Jones said Russell Wilson was interested in becoming a cowboy. Could be smoke, but what do you make of it all, LCB? That's such a Jerry Jones thing to say. (laughs) Yeah. Jerry Jones thinks that every great player in the NFL deep in his heart wants to be a Dallas Cowboy. Oh, absolutely. Without a doubt, Jerry thinks that. That's, <laughs> and, and I guess he, he should think that, right? It's how Jerry's wired, baby. 
<laughs> how he is. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so uh, that that doesn't really make me think of anything. I mean, cl- what, what what's interesting about this though, Mace is is this Jerry saying that they're wanting to move on from Dak Prescott? Is this Jerry trying to, in a weird way, negotiate with Dak Prescott? That's what I take from this. Not not the Russell Wilson part. What I take is. Is does this mean that we could be talking about Dak Prescott as a free agent for the Denver Broncos in one month and one day? Maybe. And the thing is, Dallas has had the chance to give Dak Prescott an elite contract, and they and the Cowboys haven't done that. And one thing that you wonder is, can Dak Prescott ever reach that elite tier? And if he doesn't, you're stuck paying elite money for somebody who's pretty good. You know, the Vikings are paying elite money for Kirk Cousins, and he's in that second tier. He's pretty good, better than average. And we go back, different set of parameters, but the Joe Flacco contract that the Ravens gave him after they won the Super Bowl, it was an anvil for the Ravens because they – paid a guy who at that point was average to pretty good. They paid him elite money because he led him to a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But a lot of other factors caused that. I mean, Joe Flacco holding up a Lombardi trophy, that's the unicorn. That's like Brad Johnson and the Buccaneers or Trent Dilfer and the Ravens defense uh, back in January of 2001 down in Tampa at Super Bowl 35. And the Ravens, they made an emotional decision. And that contract was an anvil that weighed them down for about for, for the last three or four years of that deal once it was shown that Joe Flacco wasn't going to be more than just a, a, mid, a mid-tier type of quarterback. And so that, that's the concern that every team has is giving elite quarterback money to a guy who's in the next tier. Yep. Yep. And that, that, that's a big mistake that, that you can't make. And that's why, I mean, we had that poll yesterday over on the DMVR Broncos account. And that's why do you trade for Deshaun Watson and sacrifice the draft capital or do you pay for Dak Prescott and you're giving him elite quarterback money? Deshaun Watson's already elite. Dak Prescott is in that next tier. So can Dak reach that top tier? There, there are reasons to believe he can, but there are reasons to have doubts about it. Look, Dak has had a lot of things in his favor in Dallas. Right. He's had Zeke behind him. Earlier in his career, when he got going, had the great wall of Dallas on the offensive line in front of him. And more recently, <laughs> has had some really damn good wide receivers to work with, too. Yeah, he, he certainly has. He certainly has. And so it is it, it is a riskier situation getting him, but it's also so much cheaper to get him. Now, not in terms of finances, but you don't have to give up so many first round picks. And Mace, in that pod poll, which we're going to be doing uh, many times a week at, at DNVR underscore Broncos, uh, something we talk about on the podcast, we're going to be putting out in a poll and want your guys' opinion, then follow up on it on the next day. More than half the people said trade for Deshaun Watson, even though you're going to have to give up all the capital as opposed to just signing Dak Prescott. 55% of you guys said Deshaun Watson over Dak Prescott, which actually did surprise me just because you don't have to give up any draft capital to get Dak. Yeah, exactly. But uh, it's a question, I th- like I've, I've mentioned, it's a question of 
of the value. I mean, do you want to pay elite money to a guy who may not be elite? Right. Right. Killed yep. the, killed the Ravens a few years ago. Yep, exactly. Next one coming in from the Danimal Morning Boys. Between all of the talk of Denver reaching out to Detroit, the rumors that we have that there may be a landing spot for Deshaun, players trying to court Watson, and the recent interviews from people like Jerry Judy, I've been thinking, what is this going to do to lock if one of these plans doesn't pan out? Stafford already has a home. Houston has every right to hang on to Watson if they so choose. And our quarterback just saw both the front office and coach, and now some of his teammates openly expressing their desire to find a new quarterback. And the likely possibility we don't find ourselves with Watson, all of the top quarterbacks are gone by pick nine, and Drew is our incumbent starter. How do we expect this to play out come training camp? Do we really think we are going to get the best out of Drew this year, given the lack of support he is seeing? I know there is a chance he can pull an Aaron Rodgers and ball out to shut up the haters, but coming off what could easily be considered a down year, it doesn't seem like that is the case. I'm just wondering if the organization as a whole making making him feel unwelcome, maybe relegating us to another bad year in 2021. Thoughts? You know, if he can't handle the pressure, if he can't handle the short leash, then you learn something about him that he's not the guy. And yeah. it's it's kind of a cliche, but you can't deal with that sort of pressure. How are you going to deal with the pressure that uh, comes when you're staring across the line of scrimmage at a couple of snarling edge rushers? Yep, exactly. And and that's it. If he's going to get his, yeah. his feelings hurt enough where it's going to impact him this season, then he's not your guy Mace. Now mm-hmm. I can't imagine this feels good for Drew seeing, seeing all of this happen for him, but you know what? this isn't a fair league. He hasn't done enough in this league so far um, to, to where he can complain about this and be Mm -hmm. legitimately upset. He just needs to play better. So I'm sure it doesn't feel good, but also Mace, he's going to really limit his NFL career. If he can't go, if, if he's going to let this bog him down for another bad year. Exactly. I mean, he's got the, obviously the best example of this um, in terms of the positive outcome, but you know what? He's got to handle this the way Terry Bradshaw handled having Jefferson street, Joe Gilliam get the job in 1974 with the Steelers. And when Bradshaw got back in there, he was determined to prove him wrong. And he, he kind of carried that chip on that shoulder of the rest of his career. I mean, he kind of, you know, has the, the, the funny, the thing that uh, a lot of people in football know is that the, the happy go lucky country bumpkin thing, it's really, it's a great act and he sells it extremely well, but he's one of those guys who's, you know, kind of, you know, he kind of, kind of dumb like a Fox. Yeah. He comes across as, you know, country dumb, but uh, really he's a lot smarter than, than people give him credit for. And he's a, and he had a, a, a reservoir of fire within that never stopped burning for the rest of his career after the Steelers nearly went in a different direction. And when he got that job back in 74, he was never the same quarterback. And uh, I'm not saying that I expect Drew Locke to be a hall of famer like Terry Bradshaw, but I'm saying that uh, if all this passes and Drew is the guy, I hope he wants to stick it to everybody, including those of us in the media who have doubted him. I, uh, Nate, uh, Nate Jackson uh, has talked a little bit about this on social media and on the radio. And I, I, I like the way Nate thinks. And that really is how I hope Drew takes this. And Drew seems to be more of a chip on the shoulder guy. That, oh. and, and so I, I, if, if, he, if he is still in there, if there's competition and he comes in and he wins the job and does better, I, I think that I think that'd be a great thing. So 
And if he doesn't handle it well, like I said, you got your answer. Yep. There you yep. Go. Exactly. Exactly. I totally, totally agree, Mace. And last one coming in from the other Ryan. He says, my boys, what are your thoughts on the Broncos kicking the tires on Kawan short once the Panthers release him as reported by Adam Schefter today? If for whatever reason they can't or don't bring Shelby back or is short on the wrong side of 30 now that he's 32. Have a tremendous Tuesday DNV Army salute. On the wrong side of 30 and also highly injury prone at this point. He's only played five games in the last couple of years. And I don't think you can rely on Kawan Short. I think uh, he's more attractive to a team that is virtually complete. He goes somewhere trying to get a ring and is a rotational guy. But uh, someone that you'd consider ahead of Shelby Harris, mm, I don't think you can do that just given uh, how injuries have taken their toll on him the last couple of years. And uh, he literally doesn't have a sack, Zach, since the 2018 season. Yeah, and that that's why he doesn't make sense for the Broncos, just like you said, Mace. I guess it's nice to have as a backup, backup, backup plan if you don't get Shelby back and you don't get mm-hmm. some other guys, he, he'd be nice to bring in. But you can't rely on him. So you he couldn't even be a starter for you. Uh, and just the past two seasons, like you said, Mace, he's played in five of a possible 32 games. That's that's not what mm-hmm. the Broncos are looking for. And in 2019, it was a, a torn rotator cuff. And then in 2020, it was another shoulder their injuries so that's just not looking good for for kwan yeah real bad sign i mean if we're talking about about four to six years ago man signed me up for kwan yeah, short i mean absolutely he was, he was terrific especially in that 15 and one season where the panthers went all the way to super bowl 50 oh uh, yeah so but uh times of times have changed i wouldn't mind him in as a rotational guy as a flyer but I don't want him penciled in as a starter. I don't think you can rely on him. Now, if it was, if you had Shelby Harris and then Kawhi Short rotating, mm-hmm. or for example, give you a scenario here. Let's say Short lingers on the market and you trade for Deshaun Watson. You pull it off. Victory in Broncos country. You got number four. You got the elite quarterback. But oh, by the way, you had to sacrifice Draymond Jones as part of the trade. Well, You've got McTelvin Ajim that you have a lot of faith in, and you hope he can go somewhere. But that's when you say, okay, let's give Kawhi Short a prove-it deal. Right. Let's have him in that room. Let's have him be the ve- let's have him be a veteran that uh, is in there to provide some guidance and, and leadership and uh, step in and play twenty steps. No, oh, by the way, I think that would be a situation he's looking for rather than coming yeah. to a a Broncos team that is still clearly in kind of rebuild, retool, figure it out mode. Yeah, no, I I totally agree, Mason. And that is that's the power of Deshaun Watson, Mason. Mm-hmm. That's why you trade for him is then you can get veteran players that want to be on a winning team and you can get them at a discount. And that, and those are the kind of deals you're going to have to make. And you're going to be doing some band-aids from year to year. If you trade for Deshaun Watson and don't have that draft capital for a couple of years, you're going to be looking at making these types of deals to kind of, uh, to kind of spackle holes on the roster. And then once you get on the other side of that, you're going to, you're going to be looking at that to a lesser degree, maybe relying less on that to uh, fill the big holes more on that to kind of uh, provide that extra injection of veteran leadership and just a veteran guy who wants to be around a team led by the great Deshaun Watson. 
Yes, yes, I said the great. <laughs> yep. Oh, yes, the great Deshaun Watson. And Mace, hopefully we're talking about the great Bronco Deshaun Watson within the coming months. That would be awesome. And this pod was awesome. Thank you so much for rolling with me, Mason. Before we get out of here, got to tell you guys about Green Mountain Dental. We've had several of our DNVR members switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group and come back to us and thank us for guiding them to Green Mountain Dental because Green Mountain Dental has treated them like family and they treat you like family. In fact, we've had multiple people of our DNVR family go to Green Mountain Dental to have some serious dental work done. And both Lindsay and Allie have absolutely raved about their experiences with Green Mountain Dental, where the dentist calls them directly just a couple of days after the procedure to follow up with them personally. That is the family care that they have over at Green Mountain Dental. And if you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush from Green Mountain Dental. All you have to do is take care of your teeth by going to the dentist to get a free Sonicare toothbrush. So make sure to check them out. They've been a longtime DNVR partner of ours and truly are part of our family. So make sure to give some love to Green Mountain Dental. Well, Mace, that'll do it for us today. Thank you all so much for rolling with us on this Tuesday in February. We really, really appreciate it. Love all of your comments and feedback. And thank you again so much for the support. We will be live on YouTube tomorrow around 9.30. So make sure to check us out there for the first segment of this pod. Otherwise, we'll be dropping the pod later in the day. So we'll talk to you tomorrow. For Andrew Mason, I'm Zach Stevens. Have a terrific Tuesday. Turn